Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. If you're in a room with someone, you know, whether they're more senior than you, whether they're a big piece of talent, you're in the room. And, you know, and and so while minding all of the, you know, the the practices of the room, you definitely, you know, if you have something to say, you know, you should, you, you should say it and say it diplomatically. And, you know, and you might be really surprised at the response you get, you know, because, um, that person, it could be an actor on set, it could be, you know, in a in a writer's room, will hit the ball back at you, and say, oh, okay, like, you know, like they people want to play and engage, so, yeah, it's a combination of you know, respect and thoughtfulness. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. So glad you're back. Thank you so much for all your support, as always, throughout all these years and episodes. You guys are truly amazing, and I am always trying to find people for you to hear and listen to that are impactful and inspirational and really are game changers when it comes to the entertainment business as a whole, the comedy business, and everything in between regarding content. And my guest today in part two of two, Tyler Mitchell, is no exception. And you are going to see why, what this guy has to say over and over again is really, truly something that I haven't heard much of in my lifetime and my professional journey. This man is really something special. And before I get started, I just want to let you know that if you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Instagram or Twitter or at my website at barrycats.com. And when I think of Tyler Mitchell, I think of somebody who has taken a lot of different paths in the entertainment business has really gone down a bunch of different roads than other people. 
He's not only a man who's overseen some incredible productions like Burt Wonderstone with Steve Carell and Jim Carrey or Lucky Number Slevin with Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman, but he's also written and produced for television, including two primetime shows for NBC, then at Imagine Entertainment with Brian Grazier and Ron Howard. He's given the mission of starting an area of the company called Impact, where the goal was to reach out to incredible talent that has been unrecognized and unheard and unseen and unread, who are all over the world in all the countries that you know and many, many more that you don't know, you haven't heard of, or you've never been to. And he and his team have reached out and have found so many extraordinary writers and storytellers of all races, ethnicities, cultures, and sexual orientations. And it's been so powerful that these people have made, pardon the pun, an incredible impact on the entertainment business. This is a company with the ability to evaluate over 2,000 writing submissions per week. They figure out a way to put a process together that gives everyone who never has a chance from around the world an incredible chance to have their voices heard, their images seen, and their content read. And throughout this process, they accelerate these people who are handpicked and put them together with world-class mentors who they work with twice a week, an intensive eight-week program to write a completely polished, sellable script and take it to market in just eight weeks. When you think about that, that's just incredible speed compared to the pace of normal development. That's how special this guy is, and that's how special impact is. When you think about it, this is a guy that in less than three years at the helm has built a network of over 60 thousand writers across 125 countries, developed 71 projects, 35 of which have been sold or set up in major studios or production companies. And he's proven in his lifetime that he's gone from one thing to the other, mastering his skill sets and making people feel the value of his presence. And sometimes that's an amazing thing because it helps you move up from level to level to level. But sometimes, because you're so great, companies and executives and presidents and CEOs will take you out of the place that you're doing really, really well for them and put you in charge of something that's a vision, that's a new branch of the company. And they'll do that because 
of your greatness in the areas that you've shown them. And at first, it's like a daunting task. And it continues to be. But the bottom line is the reward for starting something up again and making it extraordinary is an incredible reward. And if you can figure out a way to continually shake things up wherever you are and prove it to people in every area of the entertainment business your value, you will continue to get the call to grow, to start new ventures, to be a part of really, really groundbreaking initiatives. And if you can figure out that course of action, I can guarantee you, you'll have the opportunity to have the kind of extraordinary career that Tyler Mitchell has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in showbiz and you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Tell the audience, just in your words, what the mission statement was for impact. And then I think it's really important to figure out, like, here you are. They persuade you to do this, and you're in an office with an assistant, and it's like, not only is it a startup, it feels like you're starting over again. You've killed yourself to get to the point where you were before. You got 23 animation projects going. You're making it happen. And now it's like you're back in that cold office with the assistant again. And it's like making cold calls, figuring out, okay, who am I reaching out to first? So it was, yeah, it, listen, it, it was. It was scary but exhilarating at the same time because, again, you're talking about Brian Grazer and Ron Howard who say, you know, we are really excited about this and we are going to put our time, our energy and focus on making this happen with you. And you can't really say no to that. Those those kind of opportunities. Yeah, it was scary, um, you know, but. You know, I, I felt like if it, if it didn't work out, you know, I, I did um, have the skills in, you know, um, you know, as an executive and as a producer that, you know, I would be able to go back to that some some way, somehow. Um, but this was something I felt like it lined up like all of those skills. I, I, I you know, I told you I was trying to put in my tool belt, you know, and I thought. This is something that that I think that I was uniquely positioned and in the right time, place at the right time with the right you know, like past experiences and and these two you know incredible people now you know um, championing it to try to make it happen and I felt like it was a good gamble you know on myself. The good news is with this initiative, from my mind, and it's essentially at the top of the chain is mentorship and opportunity and. Like you said, adding to the toolbox and not just for you, but for these people who are coming up to give them as much chance as possible to win. Right. 
And so I would imagine the first place you start in that office with the assistant, well, the good news is you know you have two mentors that are already signed on. So you already know when you make your first phone call to your first relationship, hey, we're doing this thing of impact. I need a group of people who are going to dedicate two one-hour sessions with people every week or whatever it is or every month. And Brian and uh, Ron are on board and you're my first call or you're whatever. And then you get your third one. And once you get, it's like when I start, I mean, it's a pinhead compared to you, but what, like I said, when I started industry standard, I got Doug Herzog to do the first episode. And once you get one network president who runs, I think he ran, was the head of Viacom, he ran seven networks, you're gonna be able to get more. Not to say that it wasn't difficult, but you have your first two. You have your first two mentors. From there, you just build through your relationships that you had throughout your career and, and you assemble that group. And before you know it, you probably have 50 or 100 people who are willing to dedicate their time. I know the genesis of the program was from Silicon Valley or whatever, but how did Brian and Ron and you feel you were going to be able to reach out to people all over the world that weren't getting their shot right. to get things going. Did you hire a, a social media expert that to market and reach people in places all over the world that were creative to submit? And then even if they're submitting, they're not guaranteed that anything great's going to happen. That's the cruel joke of it all is that you're you're making an impact. And like you said, it's a failure business. There's a lot of adversity. And with all the successes you've had, which are close to 90 different, I think, artists who've done amazing things, either sold a script or had one made or had a project made or had a deal, 90 is an enormous number. But as we all know, it's probably 90 out of thousands and thousands. I want you to talk about how great it is for those 90 to discover those 90 or 100. How do you give the people who don't get the shot encouragement? Sure. How do you help them recalibrate like you recalibrated for your interviews internally without help doing it? These people are getting help. Is there some kind of system for when they submit and they come so close and it doesn't happen? and and some kind of uh, system of encouragement or how you help them, or is it like one and done and they don't get another shot? No, definitely not that. Um, I mean, first, impact is about democratizing access to opportunities in Hollywood. Um, You're going to have to say that for people who are functionally special needs like myself. Like yourself and being able to spot, you know, comedians who are going to become superstars, Ron and Brian have that similar gift. And, And while... Talent is subjective. There are people whose subjectivity over time tend to connect with wider audiences than other people. And so what the, the first, you know, the, the first really big thing, because getting the mentors with Ron and Brian was never going to be an issue. Um, you know, their relationships, their track record, you know, they could bring, you know, incredibly talented, you know, people to the, to the table. Um, but it's, how do you find the talented people out of the thousands? And I remember uh, an, an agent, 
Tom Strickler, um, um, a good friend of mine, said, it takes two people to be talented. One person to have the talent and another person to say that person out of everybody else is talented. And so, you know, the way that that scripts are read and evaluated, you know, um, you know, and again, kind of using my financial analyst side, you know, like those are essentially stock pickers and analysts. And but who are the analysts in Hollywood? Well, they're readers. But who are the readers? Do they go to school for it? Are there accreditations? Are they monitored and tracked? Like who, you know, are they their interns? Maybe they covered something. But how do you actually know that that person is going to spot the same talented people that you are? So we designed, you know, first of all, a, like a way to scale um, spotting talent. And also we took, you know, um, we, um, because of Brian, who knows Paul Graham and Sam Altman, who was the, the, the heads of um, the founder and then president of Y Combinator, they said, they were very uh, helpful and said, we'll give you our whole playbook for entrepreneurs. We have no idea, you know, if it's going to help you at all, but this is what we do and this is how we look for people. And we designed an application based on theirs that's basically 75 questions that Ron or Brian imagined. We had you know, lots of input from other great people like you know, J.J. Abrams and Issa Rae gleaning insights to say if you're in a room and haven't read your script and these are the questions that you know, are going to be asked of you and that you need to answer um, before we'll even look at your script. And you can read an application in about 10 to 12 minutes. And in that, you know, goes back to what you were saying about, you know, the person not having the opportunity to explain who this character is. Well, they have that opportunity. And not only that, but we're not looking for just one project. We're looking for a sustainable voice who can do it over and over and over again. Someone who's collaborative. So we have, you know, psychographic questions, you know, what's the most difficult thing you've ever overcome? You know, like, are they gritty? Are they collaborative? You know, do they have a vision? What's their life experience? What are the stories they want to tell and why? Who are the intended audiences? And we force them to answer all of the questions that when you're actually going to make a movie, who's going to watch it? What platform is it going to be on? What demo is it going to be able to? Who would direct it? Who would star in it? You know, and have to back it up with story and plot, and whatever. We have we know all of that before we even look at their sample, and from from that application. So the application seventy five questions. Yeah. And these seventy five questions come from the entrepreneurial playbook. That the other company gave you or it said you can see what's in there and maybe use it so you scanned it you looked at it and then you developed the questions yeah then we yeah we we took put our own spin on and it i always you know this is validating for me because i always am i think sometimes some artists want to kill me because i always say tell me the answer to this question this question this question i don't want to spend 90 minutes of my time reading something unless and they're like, well, don't you want the surprise of knowing? What I, no, I, I just want to know like what your vision is. And I don't think I have 75 questions, though, which means that I, I'm not up to speed. I think I only have about 50. So I'm going to have to figure out what the other 25 are. So. But I mean, but that, but that's exactly it. I mean, from from that, you can tell their voice. You can like just in the application is highly, highly predictive of, of, you know, of how talented of, of, of a writer someone is. And of course we read their samples. It's a, like, a, there's a nine stage review process to get into impact. Okay. So, um, so there's a nine stage review who's, you're not reading everything. Obviously there's, there's a bunch of readers that you've hired. 
You've looked at their coverage, you've hired them, and they have your voice. Not, I mean, again, not my it, it, not my voice. They have your eye, or they and they have the closest to your eye. The closest to again, whether it's you know, imagine, or we have a deal with Netflix now, or Skydance. We built a system to find the eyes of of the to service those people. So we have over well over a hundred readers now globally. But to be one of our readers. You know, again, it's, it's how do you scale that system? So we designed a series of tests. They're not academic tests, but they're tests that um, are by genre and by format that people have to pass in order to become a reader. And they take a long time to, to take. Um, and what's interesting is you would think you're a comedy guy, right? Um, you can spot comedies. Well, in our experience, People who read and can find great network comedies are not the same people who find great cable comedies, are not the same people who can um, find great feature comedies. Some people can, but the more specialized you have your readers, you know, the better off you are. So in other words, like you have only people who read multicam comedy, you have only people who read single camera comedy, you have only people who read dramedy like a Rescue Me or something like that. And those people only get to read those things. Yeah, and so when the application comes in, it's they're automatically go to the correct person. They log into a dashboard. They do their evaluations. Um, you know, the application gets read three times. You know, it goes up the ladder from the reader to an executive, senior executive, and it goes back down. And then, it, um, and then we evaluate samples. We did then we you know we have an interview process, um, and then comes like sort of the the final selection stage. So when do you like to get? involved in your roots the reading like at what point are you like okay now i'd like to read something or is it to the point now where you become more of an administrator and there's other people who are making those decisions in the beginning, I was shoulder to shoulder with the readers, um, had my stacks coming in. I was evaluating right alongside everybody because we were, again, we were building a system that A, no one thought could be done. Um, and, you know, and again, like I, I had to rate and evaluate everything to see how my evaluation stack stacked up against everybody else's, you know, and Ron and Brian were, were involved, you know, too, you know, like we're, we're literally trying to create a system of spotting talent, right? And and I think that, you know, that, that talented artists are like creative athletes, but they don't have stats. They don't have wins. They don't have, you know, how fast do you run your 40? How high can you jump? You know, like how do, how do you find a talented writer? Um, and writing especially because it's time intensive. Like you said, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, two hours of your time to read a script. And you're not even sure if it's, you know, if it's any good yet. And so the application mechanism really was transformative and eye-opening because I I read a cold I like I would read a cold sample this actually happened I was like I'm going to skip over the application I'm going to read this this person had a draft of this pilot and I read it and I thought yeah it's funny um you know but it's kind of cheap and it feels like they're just you know trying to capitalize on this concept and I remember you know um it was about uh, a gay millennial um, in LA um, uh, who finds out that his father um, is the head of a Mexican drug cartel and was just assassinated and has been asked to come home and take over the family business. And I thought, you know, 
well, it's a concept, you know, and I like, I get it why that would be funny. Then I read the application and, and the, the, the person applying didn't know who this father was and was, you know, a, um, a gay millennial living in Los Angeles, you know, with, with roots in Mexico. And this was a, you know, I wonder what, like, what if for him? And I thought, wow, this is so personal. And it, it completely changed the way that I viewed the piece. And I thought, okay, well, you know, why, why, should, why should this story be told and who's telling it? And I thought, well, this, this person, this is his story. And this is funny because it's the way that, that he's going to tell it. And it's so personal and meaningful, for, meaningful to him. And there were a lot of issues with the project at the time. But because of the application, I could see what what the dream was, where it wanted to go, and he had the talent, you know, to get it there. Um, so while he ended up not being selected for our program, I know he went on to, um, you know, to get into uh, another top, you know, writing at the maybe ABC writing program, and you know, did really well. But but again, it's the, the blank page without knowing the person who's authoring it, um, it. It's just a different thing when you know the context. And where it's coming from, and where they want it to go. Because if if I ever you know had any skill, it would be able to spot a script and say, "Get what you're going for, but it's broken, and here's why." And you know, I'm kind of more of a structure person. I would say, and this is the the issue with it. And you know, from those early days back with you know um, the Bender Spink guys, like taking broken specs and redeveloping them and then taking them back out with different titles is something that we did. And so, Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success, a one of a kind all access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. You know, but again, it's like you have to know that the writer, you know, has the talent to get it there. And so the application became this way to recognize talent um, really, really quickly. And for all of the people who want to be in Hollywood, I mean, you have to realize, you know, of course, you know this, but you're not talking about being one of the best writers in your county, your state, your nation. You're talking about being one of the best writers in the world to work to work in Hollywood at a, at a screenwriter, working screenwriter level. There's 6000 writers in the US, I think, in the WJ who you know worked last year. So it's a really small you know percentage of the population. But if you have a system that is open to everybody, you know, we have had 60,000 people from 125 countries now apply. You can find those people at scale. And while we've only had, you know, 86 writers through the program, um, you know, those are just the, the ones that not only did they have a talent, like a top talent, they also had a project that um, was sellable in the marketplace, which again is difficult for anybody if you're a talented writer to then 
have an idea that you could go sell. And so it, it's really kind of that bullseye. But you know, from all the people that you know that applied, it's not just the ninety. There's eighteen hundred writers that we have found that have high, high talent. You know, and that's why we're we're launching this platform and this network. You know, for the creative industry, um, is you know, it is to give visibility. You know, to a lot of the talent that we that we discover. You know, whether it be writing talent um, or crew talent. We just did something with. Um, with Ron's new movie, you know, of, of spotting people who have, you know, talent and and the work ethic and, um, you know, the the collaborative nature to to work in this industry for the long term. And so that's you know, that's what we've endeavored to build. One of the things that always bothers me in writing and in stand up, so there's many different kinds of scripts and there's many different kinds of stand ups, so. There's the stand-up that's the extraordinary performer, but the material is not as extraordinary, but they kill. There's the guy who is not really a good performer, stands there on two feet planted and tells his jokes in the mic. He gets laughs, he's really good, much better material than the performer, and he does well but his jokes are like, they make you think they're just incredible, you're like blown away by it. And then there's the people who have both, like how Chris Rock can perform and deliver the material that's like, holy shit, this is insane, so original. And in between in there somewhere, it cross-jointed, not with the Chris Rock reference, and so you mentioned something with the script that you're talking about, and it, it always, is like a thing that turns me off right away. It's like family died or somebody died and they came back and they gave me the business and it's a faltering business and I've got to pick it up and make it. I just don't even want to look at it because it's like I've seen that a million times. Now the other argument is Trains, Planes and Automobiles, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then a few years later, Tommy Boy. I love Farley. I love Spade. I think I saw the car thing before, though. And I just saw it in one of the greatest movies ever made. But I love Farley. I love Spade. I love those people. But now if a stand-up were to go and do a joke right. where somebody else is, they'd be killed. But in movies and television, there's so few uniquely original incredible ideas and there's been so many that I remember another movie that I absolutely loved I don't know I'm thinking about movies that I thought were great like I'm gonna go with trains planes and automobiles for for comedy Jerry Maguire for dramedy right and uh, I'm gonna go for 29th Street for drama and heartfelt even though trains planes and automobiles has a formula that, that I think was done at least three or four times before that in a good way. I'm talking a successful way. It just, there was something about it that was... So I get upset about... The, I don't get upset, upset, but I, I just... I lose interest in something that has a common denominator um, thing in a script. So in your program with Impact, do the scripts that are so, you know, like you did the butterfly effect was your first, it was one of your first things you ever did. I mean, have, have there been a lot of movies like that? I mean, 
Had there been a lot of movies like Butterfly Effect? Before it, before you did that movie. Um, that I mean, that one tr- was... I don't know. I mean, I think it had a, a concept that people knew about. I can't say that I had seen a lot of movies yeah, where I, people are reliving their past and yeah, changing it. And there's so few things you can imagine could be different or that you haven't seen before. And so with Impact and everybody who's working on the project... Is there a really pinpointed surgical way that you look at it like, listen, you know, I don't want to want to do the road trip movie, okay? I know, I know you got a great script and I know it's holy shit funny, but, and you should get this mentorship, but, you know, there's been a thousand road trip movies, but this thing here is going to get the, the pick because it's a concept that, very few people do. You know how Jim Jeffries in stand-up, he did the gun control bit. Well, how many... Gary Goldman does the the bit on the abbreviations of the states. It's like, who who does that? And so you're like, wow, I want to watch that. I want to see that. Right. I want to rally around that. So I'm just wondering, in the program, do you penalize scripts that have the formula where, oh, I'm, you know, the first 30 pages, it's like, oh, he walks in the room, he sees the girl, they slow down the music, and okay, they're falling in love, and then they get together, and then the second, oh, they break up, and then he's trying to get her back again, and then there's all this craziness that happened, and the end of the third act, they're at the wedding, and they're kissing, and the thing goes to the end. You look at those, no matter how great they are, and you say, no. Well, in, you know, in the application, we actually ask and say, what is your movie or show most similar to? Like, what are the comps? Then the next question is, how is yours different and original and fresh? You know, um, there's this tech term called Maya, most advanced yet accessible. And that's what people want. And you can talk about planes, trains, automobiles, which I just thought saw again with my kids because it is a classic, one of my favorites. That's a road trip buddy movie that I'm pretty sure you know uh, some like it hot would you know would say, hey, um, we've done we've done the buddy road movie before. Um, so you can't really throw like if you're going to throw stones, like you're going to hit Shakespeare. He's like, hey, uh, I want my plot back, you know. Um, so depending on how far back you go in history, like there are so many are only so many sort of, you know, stories or tropes. It's really how it's made original and fresh through through the voice and the talent. You know, what spin are you going to put on it? Issa Rae said it really well where. You know, she was talking about competitive projects and does she worry about them? And she said, I used to. But then I thought, even if I have the same idea as someone else, they're not going to tell it the way I'm going to tell it. And so, yeah, it could be, you know, it could be a mismatch buddy comedy. It could be a psychological thriller, you know, X, Y and Z. It's it's how you may it's how you separate yourself, you know. It's how, you know, it's what David Fincher did in Seven, you know, um, and just upended everybody's I'm expectations. Sorry I failed to mention that. One of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I couldn't speak for like three hours after I saw that movie. It was so, you know, intense and unexpected. And so the, the, the trick is today and what everybody wants is they want you to think you're going to get a certain kind of show and then they upend it and especially in the half hour space that's where I think some of the most incredible TV is happening like a show like Dave um, and Saladin Patterson who's you know who is one of our as we call shapers you know who, who by the way the good news is I don't make the, the final decision 
we we bring it down to a you know uh, to a group of finalists, and then what we call our shapers, the mentors pick which ones they want to work on. You know, we actually have a draft. You know, and it gets competitive because like some people want the same projects, and um, and, and it's really fun. We have you know we have you know uh, these kind of these draft days, um, and in in some cases like you know um, well if someone feels really strongly about something, they have to kind of like make their case as to why they're the right person to, to oversee a certain project. Um, and by the way, you know, we, and we pay them, they're showing up to do this, you know, as a job. Is it like Shark Tank where the person has to pick which person likes them? And yeah. So the, the actual person who went into the program has the power at that point to pick who they want. No, they don't. No, they don't get. They don't get to pick. Um, we have like we basically give our brief, our evaluation, the sample, all of our information to everybody, and then people kind of pick you know who they want, and then we you know we we, we do this we do this draft. So um, fortunately, our job is just to bring it down to a small group of choices, and then you know like Saladin Patterson was one of our first. Um, uh, shapers and he's one of the EPs and writers on Dave and I think what you know what Dave does so well or Fleabag or Catastrophe or I mean you can go on and on probably all the way back to Nurse Jackie uh-huh. is oh it's a comedy whoa I didn't see that coming I mean Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet I don't know if you've seen Rob's uh, McElhaney's new show I cried during the COVID episode and they they get you to laugh but now there's so much emotion buried into these shows that no one expected that out of a half hour comedy genre I, this is how old I am but what these shows remind me of are what Norman Lear did with All in the Family and, and although it was a, a multicam you know you're having this fun dialogue you're laughing whatever the there's a transgender woman, you know, whatever, you're laughing at the whatever, it goes out star, and then there's an explosion. The car blew up. She was in the car. And it's just, the show ends. It's like, it's just like, you know, so these things that I remember from that that, that really took you down those journeys that, that he yeah. did in his own way. So before we get into the end, I know you mentioned Dave, but tell our audience, your greatest holy shit moment story within the impact program where you're like you 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 can't even believe that where this person came from how far remote they were and wherever they were in the world to get to the point where they reached you and found you and and they applied and they went through it and and something extraordinary happened well, there's two. I would. I, I couldn't limit it to one. There's. There's two. Um, you got all the floor. You can tell it. Um, the first was in in our first impact. Um, his name's Godwin Jabangwe. Um, you know, a writer who literally came um, from from uh, Zimbabwe. You know, no credits. Um, he when he first came to America, not for our program. He come. Uh, you know, he had come before. Like came to America with you know a suitcase, a copy of To Kill Mockingbird, and you know like like a couple hundred dollars, and they lost his suitcase. So he literally arrived in America with nothing, and he applied to our program. He got in, um, and he was writing that he was going to write this animated musical called Tunga, under the supervision of Kate Purdy, um, who's an incredible, incredibly talented writer, and. 
watching, you know, it's an eight week program and he's got to write a script from scratch. And the, it wasn't all that well baked when it came in. And I remember sitting, you know, four weeks in and hadn't made a lot of progress. And to see where that, where that, you know, was it four weeks to then four weeks later, where not only an impact, you know, it's like, we call it like Navy SEALs of screenwriting. Like, first of all, you've got to write a pilot, you know, um, including a Bible, um, you know, or a feature screenplay in eight weeks from scratch. You're meeting with a top writer for, for four hours a week, you know, usually two hours at a time on Tuesdays and Thursday. Plus you're taking this crash course in Hollywood with our like lecture series and we're bringing in, you know, JJ Abrams and Pete Berg and, um, you know, Glenn Close, people to talk, you know, uh, in the industry. Then they have to stand up in front of 400 people at our pitch days and they have five minutes to pitch, um, you know, producers, executives in, ho in Hollywood. So then they have to become incredible pitchers. And he got up there, you know, um, on his day and just shined. I mean, it, it, it was like he took the floor with a magic and he told his story. And that that movie ended up selling in a five way bidding way, bidding war to Netflix, um, you know, for for mid six figures guaranteed. And his career's taken off, you know, like a rocket. And. Um, and I have really high hopes for that movie. It's a beautiful, you know, uh, story that he told. And, and that was, you know, when I said, when I said to, to Brian, I said, can you even imagine that like this actually happened? It really was like the dream scenario. And another is a guy named Justin Kalen Chen, JCC, who, um, this is a guy who was homeless. He, um, when he was 15, he was abandoned by his parents, um, and grew up in LA, um, was adopted by what he calls his street father, um, and he got into crime and organized crime and pretty serious crime. And he ended up um, witnessing a murder of a friend of his and decided that he had to get out of the game. And he was in pretty deep. And so he, you know, watched movies and he studied and he, you know, and he started to write and he applied to impact and he got in as like someone who, again, not 10 years ago, like a couple years ago was, um, deeply involved in the, in the criminal world. He, the, 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 the movie that he wrote, um, being supervised by Sasha Penn, um, imagine picked up. Um, he then like quickly thereafter, um, sold a pitch to Sylvester Stallone. Then he sold a pitch, um, like, like directly to him in the room, then sold a pitch to E1. And now he and Sasha just sold a, um, a show of Justin's together to Chernin. So he went, you know, from, from literally a place where he's in a whole different world, you know, to now like, like really making his way in, in, in Hollywood. Um, and so it's deeply gratifying to find and discover those people and give them an opportunity and, 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 and the resources and the access that they need and, and watching their careers take off. Um, we've had 33 writers who've gone through impact of the, um, you know, of the 86 who've already sold or been like sold another show, been staffed, you know, been hired like in the last 14, 15 months. So it's, it's pretty 
incredible that, you know, given the right circumstances, um, you know, and, and this pitch day, it was funny. Um, it was 40 of the writers we've accepted had no representation. They all got, you know, signed by, by major people. And I remember this one, you know, manager said to a writer, he said, congratulations, you've just done two years of the water bottle tour of generals. Like everyone in town, you know, has seen you. You can download the script on our app. They're, they were getting, you know, 60, 70 reads, you know, per person. Um, and that was, you know, really what, you know, you know, like Brian's original idea of like, let's discover talented people at scale. Let's use technology, you know, let's redevelop, let's, 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 let's rewrite, you know, how, um, talent is, is spotted and projects are developed and sold. And, you know, it, and it's, it's been like really incredible to, to actualize it, you know, in, in that way. Um, and then, you know, start working with, you know, Netflix, you know, who's seeing us as a, as a place to, to source talent and ideas and all that. Does Imagine have a first look on all these people in the impact pro program to produce their stuff? And then if they decide they don't want to, then they let them go to another production company? Originally, that was the intention, but no. Um, when when we brought in the first twenty um, people during Impact One, a couple weeks in, Ron and Brian said, "If we have a first look at, at all these projects, first of all, there's twenty, you know, which is a lot, and then anything we pass on, you know, is kind of has a stain on it." And so they did like the an incredibly magnanimous thing, which was they, they said, we're going to compete as buyers just like everybody else. And they wanted um, Tunga and, you know, and and Netflix ended up out, you know, outbidding for, the, um, for it. So they kind of saw this. This is sort of bigger than, you know, than imagine. And which is why we ended up last April actually spinning impact out. Um, into its own company, um, we got venture financing from Silicon Valley. Imagine, of course, is is one of the owners, but it really is a separate uh, a separate company. Um, and and we actually just did a deal with Imagine, who hired us an impact to find a writer for a basketball comedy idea that they have to to you know to fill a writing assignment. So um, we're really trying to take this this system of democratization um, and you know and kind of create another lane you know for people whether you're in the industry or not in the industry um you know to to write projects that you're passionate about do managers and agents get pissed off at you when somebody signs some you're like why didn't you tell me about that guy you you told me you would tell him at me about him first and you didn't tell me about him first and now he signed them and now i don't have them does that ever happen we're i mean no like as soon as people get in we're like our job is to spread the word um to all ages and managers and get people you know excited you know about people um and and sometimes people miss out and, and sometimes you know the, the, they don't but no we're we give equal access to, to everybody hey everybody let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success it's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, 
and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. One, two, Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Okay. And just tell me what comes to mind, if anything. Jim Carrey. Jim was, was an idol and an inspiration to me. Um, and when he signed on to the incredible Burt Wonderstone, and uh, and I met him for the first time, it, it like there are certain people that you really get starstruck by, you know, like I knew Fire Marshal Bill inside and out. I did Fire Marshal Bill at my junior talent show. I love Jim Carrey. And so for him to, you know, to sign on and, and be one of the stars of a, of a movie that, you know, was, was an idea that I conceived was just, it was incredible. Morgan Freeman. Morgan was one of the, the most surprising actors I that I that I've met. I was 27 when we made Lucky Number Eleven, and the thing about Morgan was he never left his chair. He he never went to his trailer, and you know, and and I remember you know he would sit in his chair like in between takes, like in between setups, which like almost nobody does. You know, and I went up to him and I was like, "See, you know, excuse me, Mr. Freeman, like you know, we'd like to hear a trailer." And he's like, "No, nah, I'm here to make a movie." And he was just so cool. You know, I had to ask him to wave turnaround and all all kinds of things. And you know, he was a real team player and and an incredible person to work with. Ashton Kutcher. When I think of Ashton, I think confidence. From the from the moment the moment I met Ashton, and the thing about actors is they have been on so many sets and worked with so many directors. And that seven he had done so many episodes of that '70s show that sometimes when an actor is telling you know even first time directors you know ideas for for shots you should you know you should listen because he had he had a lot of experience johnny depp wild the the rum the the, the rum diary in it in and of itself um you know the that that cast of characters that was involved was um um you know a, a wild group <laughs> steve carell nicest guy in the world Bruce Willis most memorable times some of the most memorable times of my life were spent with 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 Bruce Willis who challenged me and surprised me on on so many levels and and, and working with him um, you know and the indoor snowball fight that we had at the top of the St. James on my birthday my 28th birthday, I think, um, was, we, we had some times that I will never, ever forget. 
Ron Howard. The most genuine and talented, you know, person who has a a wealth of information and an experience that the the more I get to know him, the more I the more I learn and know. I mean, he's someone who's been in the business since he was five years old. He has he knows so much that you actually have to ask, you know, like you can ask him like an offhanded question and it'll lead to one of the most interesting stories, you know, that you've that you've ever heard. Um, and I think the most surprising thing, the, um, there's two things. One, Ron, you know, you kind of, you know, forget in a sense, like is an actor. And I remember the first time that I, I met him, I was actually I went to dinner with him and a group of people. And he was like the life of the party, you know, and and was so funny and so charming. Um, it's so animated. And also he he courts feedback from people and he really wants to hear people's thoughts. Um, and he's just he's an incredibly thoughtful artist. Your favorite TV show and movie of all time. Favorite movie is The Empire Strikes Back. Um, favorite TV show is extremely difficult, but I would have to say The Wire. Last name on the list, Brian Grazier. A genius. Um, whose who's, who's curiosity has led me to places that I never thought I would ever go. Your proudest moment in show business. My proudest moment in show business, um, I never, you know, I never said that I was a producer until I became a producer. And um, it was like short, like it was kind of the craziest time of my life. I was getting, ma- I was, I was, I was getting married, tr- putting together lucky number eleven. My father was dying. My father passed away like two weeks after I got m- married, and then uh, Josh Hartnett agreed to star in Lucky Number Eleven, and we got, um, we got Morgan Freeman, and the movie was actually happening. And so, I think, I think my pr- the the proudest moment that I had was probably that first day on set of Lucky Number Eleven and seeing. Bruce Willis and Morgan and you know um, Sir Ben and and all these people and 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 Lucy Liu who's such an incredible person and and finally for the first time I said I'm a producer. God, I love that. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. There was a movie. There was a movie that I, that, that I was making. And I didn't like the ending. Um, and I thought it was a problem. And I thought it was going to be a problem from the time it was a script. And I didn't say anything. And, and it didn't turn out well. And so my, how it fueled me um, is, you know, and I say this to interns or you know, junior executives, like, you're here to voice your opinion. Like, that's what you're being paid for. And if you don't, like you are letting 
people down. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Ron or Brian or John Frankenheimer or, or whomever it, it is, like, you have been hired to hit the tennis ball back at a professional. And if you don't, you're not doing your job. They may not like it, um, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes you might even risk getting fired. But, you know, ever since that moment, I've said... Whether or whether or not someone takes you know the the note or the advice or my opinion, I have an obligation to voice it. Last question: What advice do you have for the young person in some continent or small country around the world or wherever they are who has the dollar and a dream or the suitcase with one book in it that gets lost or whatever it is? And they're just starting at like zero, zero, but they have the dream to be somebody who can put pen to paper and create something special. How do they go about being extraordinary and getting to the kind of level that some of these people have gotten to? And part two of that, and I know this is going to be uh, challenging for you. What advice do you have for the young executive? who started like you started and to navigate the way you did and to get to the place and have the kind of career that you have. To the person out there who's, who has a dream and wants to, wants to break in, you have to put the work in every single day. Every day, if you're, you know, you need to be writing. There's no barriers to entry for writers. Like you have a pen and a paper, you got a computer, you got a typewriter, write and work on your craft. Um, there's this equation that I read in a book um, uh, that says success equals talent times uh, work ethic squared. The work ethic is squared. You can have all the talent in the world and a bad work ethic and you're not going to make it. If you have an incredible work ethic and you do have to have a certain degree of talent and you work at it, you know, and you stick with it and are relentless about it, you, you know, it is a matter of time. You do have to be resilient. You do have to get, you know, work other jobs to make ends meet. Um, you know, people have applied to, I, I met, I met the, this, this, um, this writing team who have applied to every single impact opportunity. They're like on like number seven, you know, um, or eight. And I think they're get, they're going to get selected for you know for this one. They've applied eight times, and it does you know it doesn't go unnoticed. Like you will be found you know by somebody, but you have to be relentless you know in in your pursuit of it, um, you know f for sure. Um, for executives, I think it's it's be nice to everybody. You know, I remember when I was an intern and I was an assistant and all of those things, assistants and interns run studios, ultimately, you know, they become, you know, bigger than, than, than you are. And so always be nice to everybody, treat everyone with respect. And, and again, I think, you know, give good feedback, you know, always be prepared, give thoughtful feedback. And, you know, and even if, you think of someone might not like it, you know, again, like you're in, if you're in a room with someone, you know, whether they're more senior than you, whether they're a big piece of talent, you're in the room and, you know, and, and so 
while minding all of the, you know, the, the practices of the room, you definitely, you know, if you have something to say, you know, you should, you, you should say it and say it diplomatically. And, you know, and you might be really surprised at the response you get, you know, because, um, that person, it could be an actor on set. It could be, you know, in a, in a writer's room, will hit the ball back at you and say, Oh, okay. Like, you know, like they, people want to play and engage. So yeah, it's a combination of, you know, respect and thoughtfulness. Tyler Mitchell, incredible. This has been so, so great. Oh, thank you very well. It's again, it's an honor to be here. I, um, uh, I'm very humbled by all the incredible guests you've had. So I really wow. appreciate all your time and great questions. Yours is going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.